time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me here at Talent Talk. Uh, we have uh, two wonderful guests uh, lined up today to talk about talent, talk about how they're managing talent, all the great things that make them talented people. Hopefully, we can learn something and use that uh, back in our lives, back in our careers, um, and uh, you know, make it worthwhile for you if you're listening to a podcast today. So, you know, I've listened to and 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 been able to meet and interact with so many amazing leaders that this shows really the reason we kind of. You know, as I got to meet them, as I got to pick their brains, as I got to learn from them, I really wanted a place to where we could share this information, right? So it's not just me that gets to hear their cool answers and hear the things they're talking about and things they're reading, but to allow everyone, uh, if they want to, 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 to be a fly on the wall, right? And, and to make sure that that, that information can get out there to as many people as possible. Um, there's been so many great pieces of wisdom, so many great stories that uh, a lot of that went into my first book, which is now a bestseller that I'm really proud of, The Power of Company Culture. Love to have you check that out. You can find it on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Um, and it's really some of the best of the best with yeah, you know, stories from uh, leaders at Southwest Airlines, General Motors, um, to, to all kinds of incredible organizations um, that have taught us so much and that uh, you know, I thought we could just really put it in one place and make it easy for everybody. So... Um, as I mentioned, Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, most of you, uh, well, some of you come in and listen live, and we appreciate that, but most of you actually come in and listen after the fact when we turn this back into a traditional podcast, even though we tape this live here. Um, and you can find that on iTunes, you can find it on iHeartRadio and listen there. Um, and we've been averaging over 10,000 people a day downloading a podcast from all those different places that you can find your different podcasts. And we so appreciate everyone being a part of the, the show. Um, we'd love to have you share content, and we lo even love even more for you to interact with us. And that we do that on Twitter. Uh, it seems to be the easiest place for us to do so. So if you go to at PeopleG2, if you follow that hashtag talent talk, all one word, my producer Mike actually does a live, uh, you know, live feed when we're doing the show here and kind of puts up the best little tidbits, the best little sayings or pieces of advice. And you can follow those. You can react and, and comment. We love to have people kind of that, kind of hoping it's a conversation starter, right? Someone said something really important that that might be a place for you to comment or, or uh, add your two cents. Uh, and, of course, feel free to argue with us, uh, suggest guests or anything else. So that's the best place to find us. All right. Now that I've gotten through all the business stuff, uh, let's talk about who our guests are today. Um, I'm going to have two guests on, and we'll kind of uh, separate them through a little mini commercial break there. But my first guest that I'll be bringing in the show is uh, Jeff uh, 
Gottlieb. He's the Vice President of Strategic Employment Partners. Uh, after the commercial break, we'll bring in Mark Miller, the Vice President of High Performance Leadership for, I'm pretty sure you might have heard this restaurant, Chick-fil-A. And we'll bring in uh, uh, Mark in the second half. So let's go ahead and get to my first guest, uh, Jeff uh, Gottlieb. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. And I assume I'm saying your name correctly. Is that right? It is Gottlieb. Correct. You got Gottlieb. It. All right. Good. Because I have a I have a habit on the show of screwing up people's names, even <laughs> even even simple names. I'm actually probably lucky I even said Jeff correctly. So, um, yeah, no, you're good. why don't you why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Uh, what's important for us to know here for our conversation today? And of course, tell us more about Strategic Employment Partners. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. So. Uh, Born and raised uh, in Los Angeles. I am a local. I'm, uh, you know, I guess these days it seems like that's a rarity. I uh, live in Santa Monica. I love the healthy beach lifestyle. Um, lived in D.C. for about three years, school in Santa Barbara. Um, I ran my own IT consulting company for about nine years. I was a uh, hands-on Microsoft guy. Started on a help desk, you know, back in the day when you could get an A-plus and, uh, as they call it, a paper MCSC, so you could get a job with just a certificate. I moved over to the network side, um, sold that, got into some medical marketing for a, for a brief blip, and then uh, found my way into IT staffing. I've been in the uh, business now for just under about 15 years, um, and I love it. Uh, strategic Employment Partners, uh, we've been around since t- uh, 2006. We currently have offices in Los Angeles, Orange County, San Francisco, Denver, New York, and Boston. Uh, we're slated to open uh, in a couple of other major markets late this year, early next year. Uh, we focus on IT recruiting. We stay in our lane, and we do contract. We do contract to hire, and we do direct hire placements. Well, we know a lot about uh, staffing over here at, uh, at my company, People V2, which is not what the show's about, but uh, certainly know some of the really interesting uh, opportunities you have, the challenges you have in, in the work that you do. And of course, um, you know, being in California and in this area, I'm sure has, has its own challenges with, uh, so much tech going on and, uh, probably not enough, uh, uh, people to fill the jobs all the time. But, um, I know you've been in the industry, so you've been in the recruiting industry here for many years. Well, maybe we could start from, from the perspective, what have you seen kind of change the most? You know, there's, People talk about process. They've talked about candidate expectations. But what have you seen as sort of the big changes from the time you started in this this you know arena to where we are now? Yeah, you know, I think one of the biggest changes um, is probably the availability of the tools that are out there, um, and then there just seems to be new ones popping up. You know, every single day, uh, I get I get a, a fair amount of emails with somebody like, "Hey, try my tool. Try my plugin." Right. Um, you know, 10 years ago, it, it wasn't as easy as it is now to find maybe contact information for somebody that you're trying to get a hold of. And now it just seems like you, you could use one of 50 plugins to try to, try to grab that, that information quickly and easily and just get on the phone, right? Before you had to do your due diligence, call into a company. And, uh, now we're just seeing a lot of different tools that have, that have sort of changed the landscape. I've been through, you know, the ups and downs when it was a candidate market and a client market. Uh, right now, um, obviously, especially in California and Silicon Beach down here in L.A., it is as hot as a candidate market as as I've seen. Yeah, I mean, that, and that has been that way for a while in, in this area. Uh, certainly the rest of the country has certainly been seeing that for for a while as well. But um, yeah. 
you know, I know you've worked at all all the different levels from startup to mid-sized businesses to large corporations. Uh, you know, what's sort of your preference, you know, inside of that 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 span of, of company sizes? Sure. So, uh, you know, I'm not just saying this because I am at a, a, a little bit of a smaller organization right now, but I do really prefer the smaller company that's growing like SCP. Um, you know, we have the ability to change things from the top down and roll things out a lot easier than when I was at some of the larger companies that I was at. Um, you know, not as, not as much red tape. It's less, it's less politics. Um, I feel like we have the ability to give our people a lot more personal attention, a lot more training. Um, you know, our model is not to go out and hire 10 people and hope that one or maybe two sort of work out. And I know I've seen that at some of the larger organizations. We don't do that. That's not our model. You know, we hire people, we mentor, train, and we make them successful from from day one. Of course, we're going to have some attrition, but we do really do have uh, very little. And then any attrition we really do have, none of those folks ever really go to another agency. It's just they decide that this just isn't the industry for them. Right, right. So how do you then you know, kind of effectively manage expectations you have applicant expectations you have client expectations uh I, i'm sure you get clients all the time that say hey i want 10 of these you know super yeah. rare uh yeah. programmer um sure, <laughs> and i want sure. them yesterday so yeah, they want them uh, at a cheap price right oh of course that's the other thing right they want it for nothing <laughs> yeah, um, so, so how do you deal with that um, you know, that, that, that happens every, every single day and managing expectations, that is really what we do, right? Um, me personally and something I preach, uh, to my folks, look, I always try to take a consultative approach on both the client and the candidate side. Um, a lot of times, um, I really think it, it makes a, a lot more sense to have some of those tougher conversations and just establish expectations right off the bat. So when you're sort of trying to, cross that imaginary finish line. You're not scrambling around at the end to maybe address something that should have been addressed in, you know, a first, first conversation, first meeting, second conversation, something, something, uh, you know, really early on in the process. And, you know, it's, uh, it's as good, like I said, it's as good as a candidate's market as, as there's been. Um, if, a, if a client's process to hire is a little bit too lengthy or, or they're off on fair market value with pay. Um, I think it, I, I take it on as my responsibility to help in educating the client as to, you know, how we can correct and, and the why and then give them data points that sort of prove where I'm coming from. And so, um, I think that that's a really great way to be able to do that. And then on the candidate side, sort of the same thing, uh, being able to figure out a candidate's needs or what their expectations are, and then and then clearly establish those expectations for maybe it's the process with that specific client or the process with us and how we work and making sure they really have a good understanding from the get-go. And that way, look, even if a, if a client deviates or a candidate deviates from what those expectations were, I think you have to then have be able to have the ability to I wouldn't say call them out on it, but make sure that we're at least getting back to what those expectations were and at least having that, that conversation in a healthy way. Yeah, and that's really important, right? It's just uh, establishing what maybe reality looks like, obviously providing some yeah. sort of data points around it are, are super important. Um, 
but ho- hopefully then, you know, negotiating that, that next piece. Right. Um, and I, we certainly had those opportunities where you explain to people and they, they still don't get it and they still want they sure. you know, <laughs> sure. Um, and, 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 and that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And so you got to continue that negotiation, I guess. So, well, you know, being in a technology recruiting firm, you're obviously looking for, you know, the best of the best to fill each of those roles that your clients wants you to, to help them with. What are the things that you look at in a candidate before you determine, uh, you know, whether they're actually a fit for the organization? Yeah. So, you know, really what we do is we take a proactive approach, right? So we're, we're doing as little reactive recruiting if it, as possible. And so a lot of our information is sort of um, established on the front end before we're talking to a client and getting uh, a job order or a rec, if you will. Um, so we have a great sense of their technical background and we have a good sense of their personality and where they would be a fit. Um, you know, we don't just ask about their needs or, or what they're looking for. I mean, I think a lot of people are doing that. We really just try to take the time to understand, you know, what, why are those your needs and why are you looking, looking for this? Uh, you know, you said that maybe you have to leave the office at five o'clock every day. Well, why is that? Why are you leaving the office at five o'clock? Oh, you're picking up, you know, your son from school. You have to be close to home. And so really getting a good idea of not only somebody's needs, but the why behind it is, is, is a big thing. And then obviously being able to match them up with a client that's going to fit their needs and then, you know, vice versa. That's what we do. Yeah. And that's super important. Um, I, I have met a lot of companies and, and recruiters that don't bother to ask that why. And that's, that's really the most important thing. Um, yeah, we can easily say, well, they want to leave at five. Well, yeah, they'll, they'll stick around. You know, if there's a big project. I'm sure they'll stick around. But if you don't ask that, question as you as you so uh, well demonstrated if you don't ask why they may have a hard <laughs> stop that they can't avoid right there's no way right. they can stick around longer than that on a regular right. basis if they have child care issues or uh, a sick parent or they're going back to school or whatever that reason may be uh and really understanding that and that's really um, getting to know them as you know as a person yeah yeah and, and and not every firm in, in the competitive space that you're in, I think, takes the time to do that. Uh, and that may be the advantage of, of the size of firm that you have that, to be able to do that and to, to dive deep with candidates as well uh, after you you really understand what your client is, is really needing. Uh, agree. And then we have to be able to, you know, make sure that we're constantly updating on what those needs are. Just because we talked to somebody two weeks ago and this is what they told us, that doesn't mean that those needs have changed. Mm. So I like to think yeah. We do a very good job of then making sure that we're continuously following up while either they're on their search or we're representing them and making sure that, you know, nothing has changed on their side. So is that something you, you, you kind of do manually with, with your people and, and keeping those conversations going, or have you found a way to kind of automate some of that? No, that's that's conversations. That To me, that's the human element. We don't, I, In my opinion, we don't want to automate that. Those are the conversations that we really want to be having with, with our folks. Right, right. Well, I'm sure not every position you fill is perfect, uh, despite, you know, wanting it to, to, to be 100%. But how do you handle a bad hire? You know, what do you do when, uh, maybe what do you do to ensure that the bad hires don't happen? Maybe some lessons learned, uh, you know, as you've kind of gone through this process, you know, I imagine hundreds or thousands of times. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, wait, what's a bad hire? <laughs> 
So, look, I like to think that, you know, we, we, we get it right almost every single time. We really do um, miss the mark, if, 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 if ever, and it is rarely. Um, but as you know, there are sometimes there are things that are out of our control where we've done all the right things on our side. Client has done all the right things on their side, and for whatever reason, it, something just didn't work out, right? Uh, I'd like to go back to what I just said, like, you know, doing that deep dive in the beginning on the candidate side certainly helps, I think, alleviate missing the mark, but also doing a deep dive on the client side and really ascertaining as much information as we possibly can on the front end when we're doing that initial client visit, when we're doing the initial, you know, job order call, and we've got, you know, multiple recruiters or folks on the team on the call to be able to ask questions and get good information. We really think that we're flushing out as much detail as we possibly can. Um, but yeah, if we do miss the mark, I mean, you got to own up to it, right? And uh, I think that we're in a relationship-based business, and we're not here for the one-out scenario. And so if we do miss the mark, we obviously want to make things, you know, right with the client and the candidate, and we want to move move onward and, you know, get them what they're looking for, get the candidate what they're looking for in, the, in another opportunity. But I think owning it and being able to uh, – make sure that we've done everything we can on the front end to sort of limit to that is, is, is the best that we could do. Yeah. And, you know, we really look at um, bad hires are typically, a, there's some missing information. Uh, maybe the candidate hasn't provided everything. Maybe they have intentionally right. you know, not disclosed information. Maybe the company doesn't really understand what they really need or what they really want or what that, uh, process or decision makers or influencers are going to have in that, you know, as they as they bring them in or they decide to to, to hire somebody, and so it's oh, it sounds like you know your your process is set up to try to find out as much of that information as possible through those deep dive interviews. Um, but that's really where we've seen it's it's very unlikely. If you, if, I mean, assuming you've done nothing, if you've done done no background check, you've not looked at that person, you've not had a conversation, you can certainly have a bad hire, but. Most people do those things, and they're, you know, trying to, to make the right alignment. But that's in my, you know, my experience. That has been the biggest component. It's just a, it's a lack of information. There's some variable out there that, you know, nobody was able to even right. consider. Yep, yep. And that's again, you're right. Asking the why behind some of the reasons um, that that really helps flush out some additional information uh, for us. We're not about making a you know square peg fit in a round hole that's that's not what we what we want to do it's not like a hey well we got you somebody that's just good enough that's that's not our business model yeah yeah absolutely and and there's so many times when a great person and a great company can get together and have a really bad result cuz they just aren't aligned no, they no just doubt. Aren't. yeah this these <laughs> things happen i've seen it i've seen it i've uh I've, we, we've all got some great stories right or not so great stories i suppose yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you could tell me a little bit about the culture at your company. Uh, it's something I love to talk about and, and learn more about and see what other people are doing. So hey, what do you feel like really sets you apart from other firms uh, in general, maybe even specifically in your uh, competitive space, um, you know, inside of recruiting and staffing? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I love over here is that, um, you know, our culture is incredibly supportive. Uh, it's a collaborative environment. Uh, you know, we work in teams in open workspaces. Uh, communication is key throughout the course of the day. And there are no egos. You know, I want to say egos get checked at the door, but a lot of the folks don't really have egos to begin with. And that, 
that really helps. Um, we do multiple trainings each week. Uh, we give our folks the tools to, to, to sort of continue to master their craft, right? Um, it's one thing to roll something out and never to talk about it again, but we have continuous follow-ups in, in, in that we're building on skill set after skill set after skill set and making, making our folks, uh, stronger. What's interesting about, uh, strategic employment partners is, you know, the lot, a lot of the le- leaders here, even some of the partners in the company actually started here at the entry level. As in, like, this was their very first job out of college ever. And 10 to 12 years later, uh, they're partners in the organization. And I think that that's a really rare thing to see. You just, I don't see that in a lot of other companies. And so, um, you know, there is certainly opportunity for, for growth within the company itself, which, um, I know other companies offer growth, but the way that we do it is, um, it's, it's very unique and we give people the ability to be able to grow, uh, as, as they grow, which is, which is great. Yeah. And that's great to hear about, you know, the, those people inside your company and, and the leaders there. But what, maybe we could turn the turn the tables here a little bit uh, on, on to you directly and, and ask, you know, as a leader, what do you what do you do to kind of gauge or, or make sure that you are being as effective as you can be inside of your own uh, leadership role? Uh, great question. Um you know, of course, you know, the obvious, the obvious answer is you want to look at, you know, revenue and activity, right? Um, but we can see that the, the, the tangible and intangible improvements, and that's what I like to look at. I like to see that, you know, somebody that, that, that we've been working with or I've been working with three months later is using better word tracks. They're doing the deeper dives on both client and candidate side and really getting, um, you know, as much information as they possibly can to make sure that we're, 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 we're making our lives easier to be, by being able to find the right candidate or the right client. Um, and, and, and once you start seeing the improvement in people, it's, it's so crazy because you get to see the confidence grow and then they sort of get, um, they sort of get addicted to it and they want to, they want to sponge more. They want to get more information. They want to be able to grow, grow their skill set and you just sort of see this upward, trajectory of confidence and they just grow and grow and grow and so yes of course revenue and activity you know everybody loves to see that but it's 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 those it's these other things that in my opinion are you know creating either a baseline or um improving on what's already there those are the things to me that i think are great and if your team doesn't trust you at the end of the day, if you don't have their trust, if you haven't proven yourself in the past or show them that you can actually do the job, you're not going to get buy-in. And, you know, to me, none of this is really going to matter at the end of the day anyways. So, you know, if your team trusts you and, under, you know, gets you to, to mentor them and then grow them, then it, it's, it's really just a great, it's a great feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the things about uh, being a leader and trying to help and inspire others is to always, I think, I think the greatest leaders are always trying to learn. They're always trying to, to get better or find a, the inspiration or maybe a little edge uh, to their game. So uh, we notice a lot of leaders are reading a lot of great books. I'm wondering if there's a book that you're reading now you might tell us about or maybe one that you read recently or you tend to suggest people check out. Uh yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually, I'm actually rereading right now. Uh, it's Tao of Pooh. It's Benjamin Hoff. Uh, again, it's a reread. Um, it, it's, you know, it's not business related, but it, it, it has aspects that relate to business. 
And really what it is is it's teaching some of the lessons of uh, Taoism told through the story of Winnie the Pooh. Um, you know, a, lo- a lot of the message is, you know, take a moment, enjoy life. Uh, I consider myself to be an, an optimistic realist. Uh, and so, uh, you know, in this business, it's a little bit crazy, right? It's a roller coaster. It's the roller coaster of staffing and recruiting. And uh, I'm one of those people that I actually enjoy the journey. Of course, I want to get to the finish line, but I really do enjoy the journey. And so uh, this book is a, a good reminder for me to be able to just enjoy the journey as I go. Yeah, there's a, it's a great uh, book. It's a, there's a, I think there's several of them with different uh, Winnie the Pooh characters with different yeah, uh, yeah. Tay of Piglet is good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember reading that one a long, long time ago. Um, and it's funny how uh, you know there's some really core concepts in that in those books that are in a lot of other books as well. But it just I think it's fascinating to see what what resonates with people, like what's the delivery method. And I think that one is genius, right? It's it's a really kind of special way to kind of really deliver the right concepts to people in a way that's not, you know, heavy or not uh, so yeah. overwhelming that you put the book down and never pick it back up. Exactly. And it's a pretty quick read. So uh, it's, it's, I like it. Well, we're almost out of time here today. I want to make sure that you uh, let people know how can they get a hold of you? How can they learn more about Strategic Employment Partners? Yeah, sure. So uh, please visit our website at uh, strategic employment part, uh, strategicemployment.com. Um, and if you want to call me, I am at our Los Angeles office most of the time at 213-988-8812. So it's strategicemployment.com and 213-988-8812. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being a part of the show today and giving us all your great insights on leadership and everything you're doing over there uh, in the staffing recruiting world. Uh, hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on all the cool things you're doing. I would love that, Chris. Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come right back with my second guest, Mark Miller. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Uh, in case you missed my first guest, uh, Jeff Gottlieb, you can hear his interview on iHeartRadio here in about a week or two as soon as we get that posted. Um, and uh, don't forget to go to talentalkradio.com if you want to listen there or through Podbean, wherever you find your, your podcast, we're there. We appreciate you uh, subscribing uh, so that the shows can get delivered to you automatically. Um, don't forget, you can also uh, keep the conversation going. We'd love to have you pop on Twitter and uh, at PeopleG2 and use that hashtag Talent Talk. That's where we are live tweeting this right now. Uh, we'd love to have you interact with, uh, 
what we think are the best uh, little bits of advice and comments and suggestions. I mean, put them all there for you as well. So, all right, let's go ahead and get to my second guest, Mark Miller. He's the uh, Vice President of High Performance Leadership for Chick-fil-A. Uh, Mark, welcome to our show. Well, thank you, Chris. Delighted to be with you. Why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, what's important for us to know about you today, and of course, if someone doesn't have a Chick-fil-A in their backyard, you might explain what you know what Chick-fil-A is as well. Yeah, well, we're a restaurant company, and we are now in 47 states. We have about 2,500 uh, locations in the U.S., and we're just beginning to explore international expansion. Uh, I started as a team member over 40 years ago, an hourly team member in one of our restaurants. Uh, but the short version of that story is I was awful in the restaurant. And so I quit rather than be fired, and I made my way to the corporate headquarters because that made perfect sense to me as a kid. Hey, if I can't work in the restaurant, maybe I can work at the home office. And I walked in and told them I wanted a job working in their warehouse, and the founder, uh, chairman of the company, Truett Cathy, actually hired me. I was the 16th corporate staff member. And so that was over 40 years ago. Uh, since then, I've had trouble holding down a job. I've worked all over the business. I think in the early days, it was a little bit of let the kid do it, let the kid do it. So I got to start things. I started our corporate communications group. I started our quality group. I uh, led our training group for more than a decade. I worked in restaurant operations and then found myself focused for the last 20 years or so uh, almost exclusively on leadership development. And that has what has led me uh, to this conversation today. Well, it's a really amazing story for you to, to be with one company for 40 years uh, and, and for you to have gone from, you know, being an hourly employee there in the restaurant to, to in the corporate office and then doing all that you've done. It's, uh, it's not many people we get on the show that would have any similar type of a, of a story. So it's, a, it's great to hear. If you could talk about it, what, what about the, the culture of the organization that's really enticed you to, you know, to be a part of it and, of course, to stick around for so long? Well, I think it's, it's a place where we encourage people to grow. In fact, we expect people to grow. And I think that is what has kept me here uh, and the realization uh, of the organization that when you, when you have people who are willing to grow, then you need to give them opportunities. You need to, need to give them new challenges. And had I been in one role, I, I really don't think I would have been here for 40 years. But the fact that I've had a dozen roles, um, it actually plays to, to my temperament and uh, continue to, to fuel my personal growth. And I think the more we can do that, the more likely people are to stay. I mean, a lot of people right. leave organizations because they want a new challenge. They want a new opportunity. They want to be stressed. They want to grow. So I'm going, well, why wouldn't you let them do that in your organization? And that's really been our mindset for decades. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of organizations have success with this idea of like a tour of duty. Uh, that, hey, you know, we want you to do this thing for, you know, X amount of years. And then we want to reevaluate. Is it, you know, do you, do you need to go on to somewhere else? That's okay. Uh, do you want to look at a new role inside the organization? Do you want to, you know, and so kind of thinking of it in the sense that you're not in this role forever or in this role until you've just had enough and you're going to disappear. <laughs> um, you know, the, it sounds like in your organization, it's a matter of growth. So is there a place where you can grow? Um, then, then they want to put you there. Is there a place that you can learn something new and, and, and expand what you're doing? Uh, and that's really great to hear because I think that's a big part of 
what makes people tick. Uh, I think it's Daniel Pink that really coined it as mastery, right? Learning, learning something new, always having something new to be, to be working on, to be focused on is, is pretty huge for, for us to be happy inside of our, uh, our work and our, our, and what we're doing every day, right? Right. And what we've discovered is the more someone learns and grows over time, uh, the more, um, the more value they can add when we have new challenges and new opportunities. I mean, we, we deploy leaders as strategically as possible. Generally, though, they're one of two conditions. There's either a problem to be solved or an opportunity to be seized. And when you look at leaders specifically, but, but people in general who've, who've had uh, diverse background experience, um, those are men and women that will give these these problems or these opportunities, and it's been a pretty good strategy for us. So you've mentioned uh, all of the many different roles you had, um, being the you know, number 16 there at the, at the, at the corporation. So certainly you are as qualified as almost anybody, I think, to probably talk to what are some of the changes that you have seen over that time and what you attribute to that continued success and, and evolution of the organization. Well, goodness, change is accelerating. I mean, that, that's no news to anybody listening to this. And, and we are, we are trying to, um, to anticipate as much as possible. But even those changes that we cannot anticipate, we're trying not to be laggards. Uh, when, when we see the, the world shifting, we, we try to shift as well. You know, we've got an app now because people like to order their food in advance and they like to, uh, you know, customize their products on the app. And so, you know, we weren't the first in that space, but we were a fast follower. And as we now look at on-demand, again, we haven't pioneered that, but we're trying to, to, to get up to speed quickly because we know that convenience is, is becoming a higher and higher and higher priority. So I think it goes back to that comment I made a, a moment ago, this, this learning uh, growth mindset is is we want to stay uh, uh, nimble. We want to stay agile, even though we're larger now. We're over $10 billion in sales, but we don't want to act like a typical $10 billion company. And so we've got men and women who are actively trying to figure out where is the puck headed and what can we do to stay relevant. And that's just a big, a big part of our focus. Sure, sure. Well, I, I know you also uh, have done quite a bit uh, in the leadership space. Um, you know, 25 years ago, starting to write uh, leadership books, and today you have over a million books in print and over 25 languages, I think, if our research is correct. So and how, how did you make the leap into, into writing a book as well, uh, you know, especially in this area of talent? Of course, while you're, you know, you're doing your day job, how, how did all that start? Well, our organization, the leaders in our organization said finding and keeping people had become their number one issue. It's kind of the war for talent, right? I mean, we've heard about it for years and years and years, but it finally hit the center of our radar. And I was asked to see what I could do to, to serve our leaders initially. And I have to confess, when, when the issue first surfaced, my instinct was, well, this is a human resources issue. And actually, I don't think that's true. I think there are human resources professionals that can speak into the answer and speak into the response. But talent is a leadership issue. So the more I worked on this, the, I realized that it was a very logical 
project for me to, uh, to to dig in and see how we could add some value to leaders within our organization and leaders around the world. So in order to create this book, you must have done a lot of uh, you know research on on leadership and attracting top talent. Um, maybe could you share? Is there any statistics or, or kind of wows or things that you picked up along the way that uh, you know from your research? Sure. Well, let me just give you a quick word on that. We tried to buy some research because I made an assumption that there was research in the world on what attracts top talent. Was shocked to find that there there wasn't any. Talked to Gallup, talked to Aon, talked to all of, talked to Marcus Buckingham, talked to folks in academia, and we could not find any research on what attracts top talent. So we commissioned that work ourselves. And we think it was the first ever study. It was a massive study, all 50 states, age 14 to 65, qualitative, quantitative, 450 interviews. I did 250 of them myself, on and on and on and on, thousands and thousands and thousands of participants in our online. So it was, it was very, very rigorous. But what your audience probably cares about is what we learned. I'll hit this for you really quick. Uh, we had three direct findings and one indirect finding. And we discovered that top talent wants three things. Now, think about when I say top talent, I would encourage you, your listeners to think about your A players. Not, not your leaders, just your, your rank and file, your team members, your employees. Think about the best one you've got. We wanted to figure out how do you attract and keep more of that person. And we found that they only want three things. They want a better boss. They want somebody that actually cares about them as a human being, somebody that's engaged. I mean, just the things that you might expect. You say, well, doesn't everybody want a better boss? Well, here's the deal. Everybody does at some level, but it's a condition of employment for top talent. They really care about who they work for. Oh, and by the way, they expect them to be able to lead well. So that's the first thing. They want a better boss. Second, they want a brighter future. Now, again, you might be thinking, well, doesn't everybody want a brighter future? Well, here's what we learned. Top talent has much more of a future orientation than typical talent. Typical talent is thinking about Friday or the end of the month, but top talent is thinking about the future. They walk into the interview with a different set of questions. They're asking, how am I going to be challenged? How am I going to be stretched? What am I going to learn? How am I going to grow? They want an organization that can help them live into a brighter future. So better boss, brighter future. Third, top talent wants a bigger vision. Now, this is the one that might surprise me a little bit. I mean, I might have anticipated those first two responses, but they really do want to make a difference beyond the P&L. I mean, they, they have no qualms about being part of a successful organization. They want to be part of a successful organization, but they really do want to make a difference in the world. And that was the question that we saw them consistently answer uh, differently than typical talent. So those were our three big findings, better boss, brighter future, and bigger vision. But there was one indirect finding, and I'm guessing that this could be the key for many of your listeners because I think it was the key for many of our leaders. You can have a better boss, you can promise a brighter future, and you can invite people to be part of a bigger vision, but if you don't tell the story, you get no credit for it. Mm. People actually have to know that you're doing those things because when I began sharing these first three findings, 
I literally had some leaders tell me that we had missed it. And I said, well, tell me, what do you mean? And they said, well, I'm, I'm doing that, and it, it doesn't work. And I said, well, are you, are you telling the story? And they say, absolutely. I said, well, when do you tell the story? And they said, in orientation. I said, well, <laughs> that probably won't hurt you, but that's a little bit late. I had some other people that heard the better boss, brighter future, bigger vision, and then they heard us talking about tell the story, and they said, I tell the story all the time, and, and it just doesn't work. And I said, well, what story are you telling? And they said, I tell them about Truett Cathy, our founder, and that he used to sell Cokes out of a wagon when he was six years old. I said, save that for orientation. I mean, that's not the message. Remember, these people, these top talent, they've got more of a future orientation. So don't don't be surprised that they really don't care about something that literally happened almost 100 years ago. Right. And so we've got to tell the right story at the right time. And we think when you do, you'll attract the people that you want to attract. Well, I love what you're articulating here. And, you know, uh, we have seen so many times that um, you're lucky if, if, if leaders and organizations are sharing their story. But beyond that, even if they are, you've, you've then kind of gotten to the sub point, which is they're maybe only be telling it once or at the wrong time. Um, because these stories and these, th- this information has to be repeated over and over and over again in different contexts and different ways and different formats and in different situations because not everyone's listening when you want them to be listening. Not everyone's ready to hear that information. Not everyone, it's not resonating with, with people all the time and, you know, in every one way you do it. So, um, it sounds like it has to be a part of that every day or, or, you know, very, uh, repeatable kind of a process throughout, you know, a given year or a period of time with an employee. Is that is that am I kind of summarizing that Absolutely. correctly? And there are, yes, and there are a lot of ways to tell stories. I mean, we, we tend tend to think about, okay, I'm going to tell you a story, but but there are many, many other ways. Your, your listeners are probably familiar with uh, multiple intelligence theory. It's basically, you need, some people are going to get it by understanding the mathematics behind it, and some people are going to get it by the personal stories, and some are going to get it by self-reflection, and some are going to get it by reading it. And so we've got to, some are going to get it by hearing, some are going to get it by talking about it. And so one size does not fit all. So you got to tell the story, but you got to tell it in many, many, many different ways. And I think you'll you'll unlock the magic of the story. Uh, as it connects with more people. Yeah, absolutely. So how does all this connect to kind of my next question was a segue into talent magnets. Are these, are these two things connected or is it just something different well, that'd be fun to talk about? No, well, talent magnet is the book that I wrote that encompasses all of the things we just talked about. Ah, there we go. Uh, That's the connection. <laughs> so there's the connection. And, and by the way, some people remember their childhood. I don't, you know, it's a long time ago for me. But when you study uh, the equation for a magnet is B squared A, and we said, well, the equation for a talent magnet is B cubed A, the three Bs we just talked about. But when you're talking about a physical magnet, A is the size or the area. Well, in this case, we think it's the awareness. You still need the three elements we discussed earlier. They They determine the strength, time, the size of the awareness and you can really create something powerful. So if you don't have the, the, the three elements, it won't be strong. And if your awareness is low, it won't have a lot of attraction and a lot of power. And so that's the, the metaphor we use for the talent magnet. 
Well, I certainly have learned a lot about your organization today. I think, you know, people that uh, go to your restaurants would certainly understand what they can see and feel and taste there. Uh, anyone who's listening certainly has learned uh, some more about uh, how you how your organization approaches leadership. Is there anything else that you, you think that uh, you know people that's interesting to know about uh, your organization that maybe people don't typically know if you know they don't dig a little bit deeper that you you find you know really fascinating and interesting? Well, they're independently operated, which is actually one of our greatest strengths. Uh, we have. Uh, over 2,000 business leaders, men and women, scattered all over the country who operate those restaurants. That's probably our secret sauce because we we are able to attract a very high-caliber leader there, and then that leader, in turn, is able to attract and retain uh, high-caliber staff, which delivers the experience that, that our customers enjoy every day. So that, that's probably something a lot of people don't know. They're independently operated restaurants. Yeah. So is that trying? To, is that in some ways similar to like a franchise model? But of course, you guys are still directly owning them, but you're really putting a leader there in charge. In I guess maybe in the same vein, right? Um, that, that, that they are ultimately responsible for the success of that particular location. Is right. That right. Right. It is. It is uh, covered under franchise law, but the fundamental difference is. We put up the capital for the property and the building, the equipment, the inventory, which is, of course, very different. And the other difference is that because we do that, uh, there's a very, very small fee that's charged up front. It's only $10,000 for someone to become a Chick-fil-A operator. So Truett's original idea was we'll provide the capital and then we'll go find people who can provide the leadership. His, his belief, and I think he was right, is that pool is so very large uh, if you approach it that way. If you start out by looking for men and women who have a very high net worth, A, your pool gets smaller and even smaller again when you say how many of them want to run a restaurant. Right. So he said, we'll do the capital and we'll go find the leaders. And that's the model we've been using now for uh, decades. Well, that's really smart. I appreciate uh, you sharing that with us. And uh, one of the things that we love to ask our guests is, is there a book that you're reading right now or one that you tend to suggest people check out? Goodness gracious. Uh, A book to check out, I would suggest High Performance Habits by Brendan Bruchard. Outstanding book. I have uh, recently finished. I've been through it multiple times, and uh, it'll, it'll help all your listeners live and work at a higher level. It's, it's had a, a big impact on my life. You said that was high performance habits, correct? That's correct. All right. Well, I'm sure people would love to check that out. You have uh, certainly given us a lot to think about. And what's the best way for people to find out more about Chick-fil-A? Maybe they're interested in a career. Maybe uh, I'm sure certainly they could figure out how to get a chicken sandwich if that's what they want. But, you know, from a career standpoint, what's the best way for them to interact with uh, Chick-fil-A? Uh, Chick-fil-A.com has uh, corporate career opportunities and information about uh, our operator agreement and becoming an independent uh, operator. Well, uh, Mark, thanks so much for being on the show today. We learned uh, a great deal about your organization, and I really appreciate uh, all the thoughts and uh, uh, bits of wisdom that you share with us today. Uh, hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on um, what, what will probably be your, your next thing that you take on over there is it seems to be your habit. Okay. Thank you, Chris.
All right, next week we will not be having a live show. I'll be uh, speaking uh, at a conference up north, but uh, if you listen to the show, we will definitely have a replay of one of our best ofs, and you can always go to talenttalk.com and check out episodes as well as iHeart, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.